You're listening to Your Two Cents, the podcast, made possible by Credit Unions of Atlantic Canada. Jasmine Parent has proudly dubbed herself the CEO of her household. She not only runs a successful online business, but she's also a social media influencer. And she's got the art of saving money down to a science. This time on Your Two Cents, the podcast, Jasmine and Sylvia talk about the high-stakes world of buying and selling houses. I'm pumped because when I asked you to be on this podcast, you'd already been in an episode of Your Two Cents. You are our host of The Cashler, <laughs> yes, which is amazing. But I asked you if you wanted to come on this podcast, not knowing that you're the CFO of your household. And you were like, I run all the money in this house. <laughs> to me a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I do. I've always loved money and budgeting. Uh, my mom grew up very uh, poor. And I mean, this is something she <laughs> says herself. She grew up very poor. Her mom was a single mother with three kids and she had worked two jobs and obviously took care of everything for them. So of course, my mom grew up very frugal and grew up really knowing how to stretch a dollar. And she passed all of that down to me as well. And I watched her knowing her history. And then I watched her kind of blossom and raise this, you know, amazing family along with my dad and, you know, now has owns like four or five homes and investment properties and, you know, being able to come from that, you know, and now where she is, it was, you know, for me being able to watch that was so inspiring. And it was something I always wanted to do myself, right. To feel in control of my finances and have a good handle on it. So I get a lot of that from her. That's really amazing. What an inspiring story. And I think such proof that even if you don't learn or have the ability to see money firsthand and what you can do with it, to learn how to do that on your own and then, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of change the history of your family is so cool. So cool. She grew up in a one room, what is now the shed on my grandmother's property, like a small little shed with a wood stove in it with her and her siblings. So very, very inspirational. Wow. That's so inspirational and such a perfect segue to what we're going to talk about today. We have both bought homes twice. Mm-hmm. I will say it is easily the most stressful thing I have ever done in my whole entire life. Easily. What was it like for you? Okay. It's obviously the same. (laughs) Yeah. The first time for sure. I said to my partner, I said, I will never do this again. The insane amount of stress and anxiety from start to finish was awful. It was really awful. (laughs) It's like from top to tail, you are not in control. I felt like it should have been such a proud moment to be able to be able to afford to buy a house. And then you feel like you can't do enough in the eyes of the bank. I will actually say buying our house the first time was easier than the second time because the first time we both worked in traditional jobs. The second time I didn't anymore. Right. And I am a financer's nightmare. I am now as well. The first time was I did have a traditional job that I'd been in for quite a while versus the second time I don't have a traditional job, which is also a nightmare, I think, for anybody dealing with money. I think so too. And it's so interesting because I could show that I was actually making more than I had been making in the past, but to a traditional lender, they're going, I don't care. Where is this? And where is this? And where's the guarantee that that's going to continue? And also what I learned is if you're 
income increases over a certain threshold year after year when you're self-employed, that's a Mm -hmm. flag. So doing well and then continuing to do well actually is not always considered helpful. Right. Going back to the beginning, first time around knew nothing, but I think because of the traditional job aspect of it, we could go into a lender and be viewed very easily. There was no, you know, just like wondering where your money was coming from. Mm -hmm. So we were able to kind of go through that process pretty painlessly, got pre-approval right away. We were buying a home that we knew was well within our means. We were getting a mortgage application on a particular property. We weren't getting pre-approved. So I think all of that really factored into the ease of the first time around. The second time around, same idea that we were getting approved for a particular property, but holy smokes, I felt like I was delinquent in paying something that I hadn't even bought yet. I know. (laughs) I know the having to prove, right. It's that. And I mean, obviously you have to show and prove, but it sometimes it's beyond, right. It's to prove it and then prove it some more and then some more. And it's a lot. And you feel, you do, that's, you feel delinquent in something. What have I done wrong here? I wish that maybe I was more comfortable talking about money at the time because I feel like not sharing with people where the stressor was coming from was really hard because I felt like I was still pretty new in being out on my own, working for myself. I I had this like chip on my shoulder that like, does this mean that I'm actually not doing as well as I thought I was or that people would think that there was a problem and that we were, you know, biting off more than we can chew. And it's been really important to my husband and I that we do buy homes within our means so that we aren't stretching ourselves too thin. Exactly. So it was, again, like this point of pride that turned into a nightmare. So I I don't know, do you have any tips for people who are going through that? Because obviously we're not alone in this particular situation. And I think more and more people are going to go freelance contract, all these things like you and I, so what can they do? You know, I think for me, and like you said, we've both done it twice and gone through that process and both were very different. So I think the first time was the most stressful for me just because it was the first time. And there was so much I didn't know. I really thought I was like, well, got a down payment. It was only 5% because it was our first home. Right. Yeah. So, and things, weren't as crazy as they are now with the market. The home we bought back in 2017 would now have probably go for double, right? It's just, so financially it seemed very cut and dry to me, but little did I know, right? Going into it. So I think what helped me first time to even keep my sanity. And then the second time was having a really great agent, real estate agent, someone I knew personally and trusted and someone who really knew her stuff. I didn't really have to do a lot. It was just a lot of her guiding me. So that really made a difference. It's really important, I think. And also to shop around, right? I know someone said, oh, just go to this, you know, financial institution, this bank. And they pre-approved me for like, I don't know, 60,000 or something ridiculous. And I was like, wait a second. This is when I had a traditional job. Right. Then I went to a broker who shopped around for me. And then I was able to get this home. And I said, you know, how is it possible that one institution said 60 grand, which you can't buy a home for that anywhere. No. Um, And then the other one got us a, a nice home, a large home. So shop around, right? In terms of where you're looking to get your mortgage from. That was huge for us. Absolutely. And I think to be prepared, regardless of your employment situation, but especially if you're self-employed, be prepared. It's really important. The market being really crazy Mm. can make you make a rash decision or a snap decision on something. And sometimes you only have a really short window of time to meet your conditions or do whatever. Otherwise the deal falls through. So if you're stuck in a situation like the one I got into, it was like, I'm trying to run a business, be a human in my life, and then take on the 
paperwork, the mountain of paperwork that required, I was required to do for this. It was like a full-time job, just getting my ducks in a row. Mm -hmm. I can handle a lot on my plate. This was like next level stress. So I think understanding, like having a good realtor and having a good financial institution to help you, they'll make sure you've got everything you need before you make an offer on a house. Yes. If you are like us and those two things did not align in a perfect world, then start asking questions of like worst case scenario. What do you think we'll need? What could go wrong so that you can just plan for that rather than, and I shouldn't say go wrong. That sounds really dramatic, but I just mean like those hurdles of paperwork and having to prove yourself to your point, prove yourself and then prove yourself again, get ready to line up contracts you have, show your T like all of your tax information, Mm -hmm. have that ready at the helm. The more you can have to prove pull your bank records. Like you literally are going to have to, I kept saying, I felt like I was running around naked. I was like, what what do you want from me? Everything. I know it was like PayPal account, this account, that account, invoice, like everything possible. And the broker that I worked with, he was great and just said, these are all the things you might need. So let's just have them ready just in case. And I was like, okay. And like you said, it is a full-time job. I even had to, I had to have a letter, you know, I had, I had sold a car. This was the first time around. I'd had a sold one of my car. So I had a large lump sum of money come into my bank account. Mm-hmm. And when I sold my car, it was cash, right? Like 12 grand or something. And they wanted to see why that came in. Where did that come from? So I said, well, I sold a car and I had to prove that I had to go back and find this poor woman's email on Kijiji, meet her at a coffee shop, draw, drew up a word document saying, my name is, I bought this car from Jasmine parent. She like had to sign it. It was like, good thing she did because I mean, that was one of the, probably the biggest stressors I had. But anyway, like you said, sometimes more money does not always result in ease an easier process. It's more questions really when there's more money. It's like, wait a second, where did you get that? Right? Yep. You hit the nail on the head. And honestly, that is what you need to be ready for. And I don't say that to scare people because they don't really, this isn't a judgment. You feel judged. It's not a judgment. This is just cut and dry business of kit. It's a lot of money. It's the biggest purchase you're ever going to make in your life. And a and they need to make sure that if something happens that you are good for it or that the house is good for it without you. Exactly. Yeah. So it sounds much, much scarier than it is. So I think if you can go in terrified and then hopefully if that doesn't happen to you, like set your expectations appropriately, because that might be the most helpful thing that happens. But again, when you work for yourself, you could have a large sum of money drop into your account. You could sell a car. Everything that comes in and out of your account ultimately matters when you are buying a house. So you have to be so careful. Your credit card balances, all these things, you need to be in good shape when you work for yourself to make sure that that all looks good to somebody. So I think just getting your documents ready, I am such an A-type planner, but I, in hindsight, was like, okay, I have a folder. I now keep a folder, even though I own my house, (laughs) I keep a folder with stuff because I'm like, what happens if we want to refinance? What happens if we want this out or the other thing? We actually just refinanced our house because we're renovating and I had everything ready and there were no questions this time. So I think going through that process was helpful in understanding, keep a track, keep track of things. It's actually just good as a, as a business owner to do it anyway, but all your stuff being in one place, your CRA documents, your HST documents, your invoices for things, your receipts yeah. for cars that you sold to a woman on Kijiji. Like it, it all does. Matters. Yeah, it does. And I'm the same. I have a, I call it my blue folder and it's, it's my blue folder. It's, it's all those things. That's where everything is. So yeah, you need to have it close because you never know. You really never know ask hard questions, act like you have nothing so that you can prove that you have everything and you just need to be prepared to be interrogated and don't take it personally. 
Right. Yeah. They interrogate everybody. (laughs) I know. And I took it so personally. And I think too, that's the hard thing. Money is so emotional. It is such a big amount of money. It's money you've worked hard for. Your connection to the entire situation is much more emotional than the person on the other side of it, who is just crossing T's, dotting I's and doing safety checks. So like, that's the thing at the end of the day that I think people need to remember is like, it is truly business, not personal, even though for you, it is the most personal thing. Right. It's like complete ends of the spectrum, right? You're a file and a number and then, you know, a last name to them. Right. And it's tick, tick, tick. Is that there? And I, you know, we're on the other side being like, why do they need that? Or why are they asking again? You know, cause that was me. I was very emotional about my, especially the second time around when we went from the first time was just a 5% down. And the second time we had a 20%. So I thought that was going to be way easier because there was a 20% down payment. I was like, that's a lot of money. Like if they know we have that much, of course we can afford this, but nope, it was actually significantly harder the second time around. Yeah. This is not an inspirational podcast for home buying. <laughs> but listen, when you but get those keys and on that closing day, you breathe. Goodness. Oh yeah. That breath that you take is, it's worth, it's worth it. It is it's worth, worth it. it. Completely agreed. The minute those keys are in your hand, the minute the <sighs> lawyer calls you to tell you it's done, you're like, Closed. oh my, you uh, feel like you could do anything and you anything. really do. You forget <laughs> you about do, yeah. the pain and the heartache because now you have this exciting new chapter of your life. And so I think right. I would never in a million years, not do it all over again, I would do things differently, but I wouldn't avoid doing it. And I actually think for me, um, I would love to be someone like your mom who ends up owning multiple properties and can invest money in that. And I think it's a really exciting thing. It's just a lot of stress sometimes, but the reward is amazing. So like, it's worth it as much as we're scaring people. It's worth it. Yeah. And it's a long, you know, it's a long-term investment. You got to think of it that way, right? You know, it's not just to have this huge debt now. It's like, it is an investment, right? And you're always, I say this to people all the time, you know, some people say, Oh, I don't ever want to have a mortgage. I'm like, well, we can all dream, right? It would be nice to have, you know, a humongous amount of money to just pay cash on a home. But you know, here and in this day and age, it's not overly realistic, but it's a long-term investment and you have to live somewhere, right? You got to live somewhere. You're going to live somewhere anyway. You're going to be paying a monthly fee anyway, right? So why not putting it into something that is yours and that you're going to get to, you know, that your name is on the documents at the end of the day. Absolutely. And I think too, the thing that I learned, especially going through the home renovation is that the equity that's in your home is usable for other things. So we were able to leverage equity in the house to finance a renovation. And with the interest rates changing and all kinds of things happening, we actually, it's almost like free money by the time we kind of factored it all together. So owning that thing might not seem like the be all end all. And I know that it's not accessible for everybody, but I do think if you are able to get in, even if you buy a starter property or whatever, and you go in and you do that, find your entry point to get in because you never know what you could leverage that money for down the road. And I had no idea about that until our house went up in value and we owned something that had that shift happen. And now we are increasing the value of home. Someone told me something really, really smart. He said, investing in your home is like moving money from your checking account to your TFSA or RSP. Mm. You shouldn't look at it as if you're just throwing money into the wind. Right. The things you put in your home, that's a different story, but the actual home itself should be viewed as just another investing account. And when I heard that, it made me feel so much better and think differently, especially going through a home renovation where you're like, are we crazy? But right. How much more, how much, you know? Yeah. Right. But when you look at it and the payoff and what you're paying for renovation versus what the value of the home is going to be, ultimately that's the, one of the best investments 
with the fastest turnaround time that you could probably make. So looking at it as if I'm just shifting funds into a different type of retirement savings. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool advice. I thought so for sure. We've shared a lot about what we learned. What do you wish you knew before you bought your first home? Before I bought, I wish I had known the importance of a home inspection. So the first time around, we actually didn't get a home inspection. And it was because it was a newer home. And what had happened with that property is someone, it had just fallen through with some another potential buyer. It had fallen through and the sellers actually had already went and bought another home. They were like, right the day of their potential buyer fell through, which is awful. So we kind of snuck right in there, right behind them. So they had already had an inspection done and we had kind of a little bit of an inside track on what that inspection was. So we got a little bit of a nod, right? Unofficially that to go ahead and we just were like, okay, sure. Right. And I was like 500 bucks. Like I don't want to spend that on an inspection, but you know, and then in hindsight now, long story short, we ended up needing to do some work that was more than $500, which we would have already known if we had have gotten the inspection. Um, so that one thing I would wish I would have known. And then the second thing I wish I would have known is to just kind of to be a little bit more patient. Like you said, I feel like I was so anxious to get a place and something came up that we liked and was in our price range. And I just felt like we had to go for it. In hindsight, I think we could have waited a little bit. And I know that's a hard one for people. And, you know, sometimes people will say, when you know, you know, right? When you know. And I wasn't 100% sure. And I think, listen to your gut. I really think it's important, especially with a purchase like that, to really listen to your gut and don't feel pressured into something just because you can afford it. And especially since you're going through so much stress, sometimes at the end of it, I was like, okay, sure. Right. Like I just really wanted it over with. And I knew it was a starter home. So it wasn't, I wasn't as, you know, didn't have as much buyer's remorse as maybe I would have if it was going to be a forever home. So, but especially if you think it's going to be your forever home, just really wait and listen to your gut. So it's a huge, it's a big purchase. Welcome to the world of entrepreneurship. Not sure where to start? Credit unions believe in supporting local businesses, both big and small. Whether it's $1 or a million, they have the business banking products and services you need. That's why in 2020, Atlantic Business Magazine's readers named credit unions the best financial institution in Atlantic Canada for small business. Credit unions, in business, for your business. Check today's show notes for credit union small business stories. It's such good advice. And I think it's really easy to get swept up in the moment. I know that we put out a couple offers in on places we didn't end up getting. And in hindsight, we say this constantly. We're like, thank goodness we didn't right. end up in that home. The blind spots that come up when you are feeling pressured are so huge. And this is not a blind spot of a small purchase. This isn't like, oh, I shouldn't have bought that top. It's like, nope, this is a house. So two things that you touched on. One is $500 when you are forking over so much money seems like so much more money because it is a lot of money. It is. In the grand scheme of things, I think it's so smart to like do a home inspection and also weigh the things that if your gut's telling you or if you're really quick to dismiss a cost, sometimes those extra costs seem like so much at the time because you're spending so much, but are actually worth it in the end like you learned with your home inspection. We interviewed DIY mom talking about home renovations more and her tip was like, buy the ugliest house on the nicest street. Find property that isn't necessarily shiny and glamorous at the beginning because that can get you in at a lower price point and also allow you to get in. And if you speak with your financer about what's a mortgage plus improvements, or there are ways to find right. that, you know, maybe a house that might not look so appealing into what you really want 
I wish I knew at the beginning of all of this that you need to treat the house you're buying like you already live there when you look at it. So like there were things mm-hmm. about our first house that I was like, oh my God, I love this. I love this. I love this. And then we got there and you're like opening a cupboard door and slamming into each other. <laughs> or like <laughs> things are just in a really weird place, but they look cute. And you're like, wait a second. That is the not, like that is not functional. And now I can't change it without spending a lot of money. So our right. realtor since then had said, walk into the house like you're there. Where are you going to drop your keys? Where are you going to hang your coat? Where are you going to put your yeah. shoes? Then walk into the next room. If you're cooking dinner, you go to reach for the thing. Is it there? I think if you start to really functionally look at a home before you even make an offer, you'll learn about the things that might drive you insane. Like open all the doors, pretend you're doing laundry, like literally act like you live there. Cause I think it's also like, Oh, I don't want to take up too much time. Take up time. Right. Take Take the time. time. Yeah. If you're like you said, it's such an investment. And that's one of the things that for us, we had obviously had a list of things that were non-negotiables. And that second time around, that was something we did the first time around. I wish we had have done that as well, but you live and you learn, right? But, and I guess that's why we're talking about it. So, you know, it was things that when you saw yourself living in a home, what do you need there? Right. And for me, obviously I have kids. So it was like, I need a backyard. I don't want to be on a really busy street. We'd like to have a garage. We've got, you know, lots of stuff. And the first time around, we didn't have that. And we did settle on a really busy street and not a big backyard. And, you know, I regret it. I did really regret it. And we only ended up staying there three years. And again, I think knowing that it was a starter home, I was a little bit more lenient with those things. I was okay with it. But second time around, there were some things I said, we need this in this home. We need four bedrooms upstairs because we have three children, right? And I don't want my youngest, you know, most homes, if they're four bedrooms, you've got three bedrooms upstairs and one in the basement. I said, I'm not going to have my child all the way down in the basement or us in the basement and them all upstairs, right? Little, just little things like that. But you need to think about the functionality of it for your family. Does this actually work? Even if you love the house, don't settle. Just if something like that is a non-negotiable, that's going to stress you out later on. And I knew that it would for me, I would just be a bunch of worry. But what good is being worried? Even if your house is really exactly. nice. Pretty houses do not take away. Yeah. Stress. And I also think that people need to be really honest with their appetite for, if you are someone who knows that you are not going to address the things that need to be addressed in a timely way and they're going to eat away at you, then don't buy a house that needs to get work done. Right. If you're someone who has an appetite for that, then you have you know a different world of possibility for yourself. But if you know you're a particular person or you're busy or you have three kids and you need to move into a turnkey home, then move into a turnkey that home. Totally. So I think yeah. having like trusting yourself, don't take on the project house if you know that you are not a project person because that isn't for everybody and that's okay. Yeah, and it's not for me. And I knew that. And we played around with that idea, especially in this recent market because the cost of homes is, you know, so elevated and, uh, you know, ultimately decided not going to go with a fixer upper just because it would be financially more convenient. What's the payoff to that? Because I know that I'm not going to get it done and then I'm just going to be extremely stressed, right? Is it worth that level of stress and not getting things done or not having the time and hating the space, right? So we had to go with something that didn't need any work because I knew that and even if it was a bit pricier, it was kind of, it all balanced out in the end because you can't put a price on how, you know, stress, you can't put money towards making stress go away. No, you sure can't. Absolutely. As someone who's living through a renovation and we are involved and excited about it, 
it is not for the faint of heart. So I don't blame you. (laughs) Right. No. And I don't have three little people running around. We have talked a lot about buying a house, but we have both also sold houses. What was that process like for you? That process for me was a lot easier, a lot more simple. Uh, I really did not have any stress selling at all. I think obviously my realtor is amazing. We've been friends since high school and I really trust her. And that level, having that level of trust with her was huge, right? I never felt like I had to second guess their intentions or anything like that, which I think does happen. You know, it's a business at the end of the day for that person, right? They get money as well, right? So uh, that I think sometimes I've, you know, I've heard lots of people say they had to switch who their realtor was, or they didn't trust that person or didn't think they had their best interests at heart. And I never have had that issue. We've, used her for, for every buying and selling process. So she made everything so simple, amazing, completely seamless. And uh, yeah, as a seller, it was kind of nice to just sit back and, you know, see who wanted to buy the house, right? <laughs> Mine wasn't that fun. Now I will say we bit, we bought in a slow market. We sold in a slow market. We had an unexpected move come up that we left the province. So we had to sell our house and our house sat on the market for eight months. And so we weren't there. So having that happen required a lot of trust in the realtor. And, you know, as time goes on, I think we learned patience is really important. We interviewed a bunch of people ahead of time to find the right person for us. It was, like I said, sort of long and painful, but when you're in good hands with someone and they take care of you, that's the biggest difference in the world. So knowing that they were looking in the right places for the right buyer for that particular thing. I mean, markets are really hot in so many places right now. So my woes of all of that time ago are Mm. probably not the reality for most people anymore. Houses are kind of selling themselves. But if you are in a situation where you have a property that is even maybe sitting on the market a little bit longer than the average, I still think the lesson to learn is that you have to stick to your guns. You need to know what you're willing to walk away for because at the end of the day, in our situation, we had a mortgage payment and we were paying rent at our new place. So how long right. are you going to carry that? And how long are you going to deplete savings and all kinds of other things or take on that debt in some people's cases to have that happen to you? And for us, it really delayed us buying another place again because we did have to support that house for so long. So I right. think being really cautious about, you know, maybe you're not going to get all the money over asking you thought, but maybe you are going to get out unscathed a little bit less, that's okay too. Right. And like you said, we did sell, we sold in this hot market, right? And we actually, you know, we were opportunistic. We said, let's do it. We were planning to sell, but not this quickly, but we bought our home when, like I said, we got in there and the people had to sell it because they had already bought another property. So they gave it to us probably for the lowest they could and were willing to go. And then we were able to sell a few years later for much more without really doing anything just because of how the market was. So it just made sense for us at the time. And we had had a savings put aside ready for it to rent for a while while we searched for another home because we knew in the market as buyers, it wasn't as good as it was for us as sellers. So one thing that our agent said to us that has always stuck with me is she said, as a seller, was you need to price your home at a point that you are, if someone offered you that today, you would take it, right? Not hoping for people asking above. Because prior to a couple of years ago, it was not the norm to ask for over 
right? You know, say a house was priced at 250, coming in at 242 was normal, right? And like, where are you gonna, will you accept that? That was normal. Now, if a house is at 250, coming in at like 320 is normal, right? And probably you still won't get it. You'll get outbid, right? So totally. Yeah. So she had said, you need to price your home at a point. If that's, if someone offers you asking, you will take it right? If that is the only offer, you're happy to take it. Don't price your home thinking, oh, well, I, I want to get 300, but let's put it at 250, right? Price it at a point because you don't know because it, you know the market could slow down at any point and maybe it's just not, maybe someone doesn't want to buy it. Like you never really know. Totally. Right. So yeah, we did sell in that market. We, our house was on the market for 15 days. Wow. And yeah, so that was nice. That's, that's amazing. I, I love that. And I think, I think at the end of the day, it's again, appetite for risk, managing your budget appropriately, exactly. finding a great realtor to work with and someone that you really trust. And I would also say having a great lawyer is so helpful. Like a lawyer yes. is so critical yes. to the process. Oh, yeah. I forgot and I, about that. You know actually. what? Poor lawyers. They're like in the background. They're like, we are so doing important. Everything. Exactly. And they're like, and all these realtors and all these home buyers, it's like, they're forgetting that the real yeah. star of the show is You're hiding nothing. in the background. You're nothing without us. Yeah. Totally. So I always say a good lawyer is so important. Usually like if you have a wonderful realtor, they usually have a great lawyer for you as well too, but ask around. And if you know people who work in law firms or are lawyers themselves, they might have a really great real estate lawyer for -hmm. you as well too. But I will say that in both of our situations, that was the easiest process. Having a great lawyer who knew what they were doing. So, so helpful the true star of the show, but are hiding in the wings without the recognition. So this is the official moment for real estate yeah. lawyers. <laughs> so funny you said that because this whole pro- whole time we're talking, I wasn't even thinking about my lawyer and I've used the same one from beginning to end. And like you said, was a recommendation from my agent and she's fantastic. No, like just very to the point. Here's this, sign this. This is what it's for. This is what you have to do. Bring this in, like just very type A, which I think a lot of lawyers are, especially if it's real estate, right? No fuss no nothing. It was so easy and seamless and never wondered what do I have to do. Um, and actually now that we're talking about this, one thing I wish I had known the first time, this is literally the biggest one for me. I think everyone needs to know about, I, I'm assuming it's in every province. I don't know, but I think it's different in every province, but the deed transfer tax, this amount of money blew my mind and I did not know it existed. The first time around, I'm just like, I have this down payment where everything's good. So I knew there would be lawyer costs, but they're not usually too bad, right? Like a thousand or less, like yep. not too too crazy. I mean, in the it's a lot of money, but when you're spending thousands upon thousands, you're like, what's one more? Like it just keeps adding to the pile. Exactly. And then I looked and I was calculating closing costs and it was like deed transfer tax. And it just floored me, right? It just floored me and I didn't know what it was. So if you're buying a home, Google deed transfer tax in your province to know what it is and to be prepared for that because it really threw me off. I'd never heard of it as a first time home buyer. And it was a significant amount of money. Some provinces have one that is for your city and one for your province. I had to pay it twice because it was in both places, but it's such an important thing. And so to understand your actual closing costs, no matter what you're doing or what your budget is, know what they are, because those are sneaky lawyer fees. You think that's going to be the most expensive thing. And you're so right. It's like not that much in the grand scheme of things. Your transfer tax can be a significant portion 
of your cash available and you can't borrow that money. That has to be cash on hand. So the minute if you were to say, I don't have that and you borrow against it, well, buckle up because you're going to have a whole different set of paperwork you're going to have to deal with. So really understanding the true cost of borrowing. It's not in mortgage calculators online. That stuff doesn't exist. The land transfer tax or the deed transfer tax, depending on where you live, they call it different things. That it can be a real kicker. It can be more than your down payment in places. Yeah, it really can. I always do this when budgeting anytime with money. I always overestimate everything by a couple hundred dollars, depending on how, you know, if it's a $1,000 thing, maybe by 50 for each thing. But if it's like a, you know, 200,000 plus um, investment here, you're going to have to end up bringing in, you know, $50,000 or something in that range, everything you need to just overestimate because yay, at the end of it, if you think you're paying, you have to bring in a, you know, a bank draft for 22,000 and you bring up, end up having to just do 18. It's like, whew, right. You're prepared for that. And you've overestimated it because when you underestimate, it's the opposite feeling you're scrambling. And like you said, you can't go and borrow it. And if you do, well, now you've got a, someone else has to sign a paper for you or whatever it is, right? That they didn't take out a loan to pay you. And it, there's so much. Yeah, There is so much. And so, yeah, just understanding what you're really dealing with so you don't end up unprepared. I think that's all that there is to it. Like do your homework, research, talk to your friends, yeah. ask them that question. And again, I think it comes back to this. We don't talk about money enough. That's why we started this podcast was for that very reason. People who are real people having real conversations about money. If you and I met each other all those years ago. We're like, all right, as two people who work for ourselves, <laughs> what's right. up? Yeah. we would have such a different perspective on that. I didn't ask anybody because it feels like it's too personal of a conversation. You don't want to bear your soul like that to someone. And then at the end of the day, why wouldn't you, your closest friends and the people who love you are going to give you advice. If they can, you would share that information with someone. If you knew you could help someone else, like that's why we're having this conversation. So I think talk to people, if there are people who work in the profession that you work in, if there's people who do similar things to you, if there's people who live in a neighborhood you want to move into, just ask the questions. You never know what kind of useful thing you could end up with. Exactly. And I think, I mean, me having my mom, that was the person I used to talk to and she had so much experience with it. So that benefited me so much. But also I think just being willing to, like you said, ask the questions. And for me, I didn't want to early for the first home, I didn't want to sound or seem dumb. I mean, that was my own insecurity early on. And I I think there's this common misconception that people who are good with money or like, you know, budgeting and like money are always good with numbers and math. And my insecurity always growing up was I was really bad at math. Like it was the only subject in school that I was not good at. And I hated it. I had tutors and just scraped by every single year in high school. And I really, don't like math. I despise it so much. But to me, money isn't math. Like it is, I guess it can be, but it's different because it's applicable to every day. And it, I don't know, I just, I view it differently. I don't view it as math, but, and obviously it's simple when you're adding and subtracting. It's like, I have this much, I need this much, right? That I can do adding and subtracting. I got the elementary down. So that was something for me, that was my own insecurity and not wanting to like talk about it or, you know, people will maybe ask me questions that I won't know the answer to and things like that. But once I got into it and I felt comfortable with my mom and had my agent, I, you know, just was asking a bunch of questions and they helped make me not feel so silly, right? Like you said, get someone that you trust and people, you know, people, if they're your friends, they're going to want to help you. So if you know someone, you have a friend who's recently bought, ask them those questions. What do you wish you had have known? How was the process? Who did you use? Would you use them again? Who would you recommend them for me? That kind of thing, right? Don't just go in blind and hire anybody, get a recommendation from someone, you know, and someone you trust for sure. 
And if the fit's not there, go talk to someone else. If you feel like this is not the person you're asking questions and they're making you feel silly or they're making you feel like you know what you're talking about, go find someone else. You are allowed to do that. You are not exactly tied to the first person you talk to. It's such an important decision. It is such a partnership. That person is such a vital part of yeah. your process. You've got to get along. You've got to feel like they've got your back. You've got to feel like you can ask questions because there's so many. Not to mention the added layer that you and I both have is that as people who love to run the financial show in our households, we're also both women yes. and we're also both younger women. And so when that happens and you are a young woman showing up to talk about money, that's a terrifying feeling when you don't feel like you have all the answers. And I'm the same way. I love budgeting, hate math. To me, yeah. I'm like you, they are not the same thing to me. They're I not. know that they are, yeah. but they are not. Yeah. And so I was like, what if your math confuses me? What if I'm reading a document that doesn't make sense to me? Right. We're at a disadvantage from so many sides of this that mm-hmm. you are like, if I was a guy in a suit, yes. you'd probably hundred percent not make me feel like this, but we're coming to the table feeling more vulnerable and we don't need to. Right. Yep. It's so true. And I, you know, I had instances where we went in for the first time around and, you know, people would just address my partner first. And he'd be like, I don't know, ask her. Like I, she's like, I don't know. Or I don't deal with that stuff. Right. And it's like, then that person obviously didn't end up going with that person. Right. So like if someone comes to you, you, if two people come to you, you address both people in the room. Right. And that was just that red flag right away. It was like, Nope. If I feel like I'm already a second class person in this room, then I'm out of here and on to the next. Good for you. That's amazing. I have one last piece of advice. Hire movers. <laughs> higher movers. Yes. When I talk about when you're already hemorrhaging money and feel like you are spending so much money because you are, if you possibly can, I know the idea is like hire friends, get beer and pizza. Guess what? You're going to spend more on beer and pizza than probably you're going to spend on your movers. We did not use movers for the longest time. I have moved so many times in my life. The last two times we moved, we hired movers my brain was exploding with how efficient they were. Love it. How you didn't have to do anything. You were just like, put this here. You got to be bossy and it was efficient (laughs) and it was so good. And it didn't cost that much money. So shop around for movers, depending on where you live and where you are, they can jack up prices on you. Moving at the end of the month or the beginning of the month tends to be more expensive because that's That's typical high high time of that around school years. So nearing the end of university, beginning of university, super expensive time to move, but find deals. You might be able to get like a Tuesday evening move and you can arrange those things. I can't stress enough. If you are going to eliminate any stressor in your life, moving your things, people have figured this out. Allow them (laughs) to do that for you. And they will do it with a smile on their faces. Like we had the best movers. They were amazing. They were like dancing to Beyonce walking in the house. We're like, we <laughs> love you. Love and we also yeah. eliminated that point of friction after an incredibly stressful time. Right. Then you're going to go move your own stuff. Right. Yeah. If you can avoid doing it. It is money well spent. Yeah. And we never did hire movers, but Jeremy, my partner, his friends are professional movers. It is what they do for their work. So, I mean, we didn't hire movers, but we did hire movers. And I felt that way more so if it was just me and some family members and just friends, right? I did feel like I could just step back and watch them. They're very professional, like do their thing. But that's always my mom who like, you know, I keep going back to her, but to me, she's like the guru from start it from the bottom. Now she's there kind of thing. Right. Um, is that hire movers. That's what she said, you know, after I think 
her third time around, she was like, I'm not doing this ever again. I don't want to see a single box. I don't want to write anything with a Sharpie. Like I'm done. Hire movers. Hire movers. That's a great one. Totally agree. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. And I hope our tales of terror and fear have not, (laughs) uh, that's not the message. The message is to be prepared and to get excited and to be so proud of yourself and to really embrace the fact that you're making a really amazing financial investment. And there's so much to celebrate there. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me. This is a great conversation. Not one that's had often, but one of probably the most important ones, especially for people who are getting ready to do this. And lots of people are, right? Or wanting to, or in the process of saving and trying to. And, you know, these little tidbits are things that everybody should know moving forward, especially if you're feeling kind of unsure. So yeah, thank you. You're so welcome. It was a pleasure chatting with you and I'm sure I'll be talking to you soon. Jonathan, I need to tell you this amazing story I heard recently. I love amazing stories. A friend of a friend of mine has a full-time job, does freelance work on the side, and owns some income properties. She was trying to buy her sixth property, and the big bank she went to turned her down. Why? Because the formula they entered into their calculator saw her as too much of a liability. Wow. But then guess what happened? She went to a credit union. She went to a credit union. They looked at her as a person and not a number, and she got that mortgage, and now she's continuing to build her real estate empire. Whoop. There it is. Yep. I love that about credit unions. And how many times, honestly, Sylvia, have we heard this story? They work with you to make your dreams come true. Love me a credit union success story. 